AviationPros.com is the portal website for AMT, airport business, and ground support worldwide magazines. Visit daily for breaking news, industry blogs, and insightful articles from our magazine's editorial team. And don't forget to sign up for our publication's daily e-newsletters. It's all at AviationPros.com. Welcome to another edition of the Aviation Pros Podcast. I'm Joe Petrie, Editor-in-Chief, Airport Business Magazine. As the COVID-19 pandemic rages on, the aviation industry continues to grapple with making institutional changes how it operates while many facets simply focus on trying to stay afloat. Airports will change drastically because of the pandemic, and operations as we know it from just a year ago are now gone forever. I spoke with James Dietz, Director of Aviation and Associate Vice President of Henderson Engineers, about what the future of airports will look like and how industry leaders need to approach the new evolution in how we travel. Well, first off, I wanted to thank you for speaking with me today. Tell me what the fundamental changes we will need to see first when it comes to the future of airports. So that's a that's a really great question, and I think we've all noticed just how hard the airport and the airline industry has been hit. And I think the, the first thing that we really need to focus on is is growing that passenger confidence in in airports that they are they are engaging in a safe uh, environment that will get them from place point A to point B and they know that there's there's limited risk and they can manage that risk and, and I think that'll start to drive that and and it has to be more than just um, a statement it has to be something they can visually see um, and, and check on and, and moving forward to it. So I think in the in the interim, until we have kind of a holistic solution with vaccines and, and other procedures, we need to look at it each airport individually and come up with a risk assessment about how do we how do we engage, how do we start to, to lower the risk um, at four passengers, and then really make it visible for them to see. Uh, recent recent documentation that's been put out there right now, research, the airlines have done their part and have have confirmed that they uh, that the risk of connect of catching uh, COVID has been is fairly low and actually on the airplanes themselves. Now we have to start looking at airports and, and what does that look like and where the where the pieces and parts are are going to be the the hardest uh, hardest hit and hardest to control and, and has the greatest risk going forward. Now, we're eight months into the pandemic, and there's been a lot of questions about how the U.S. has handled this, and obviously the aviation sector has just kind of been a byproduct hit about uh, the response. But there is hope in the medical community of developing a successful vaccine and possibly for mass deployment in 2021. So I guess, why should airports still be concerned about major overhauls for their infrastructure when such changes could take years to implement? So that's what's actually really... uh... Really interesting. That's a great question um, because I think right now we're we're really focused on on COVID and finding a a medical solution to, for vaccines. But you know, history has shown us that this is not the only pandemic that has happened. It's it's grown to a global scale, and we've seen how vulnerable our in- infrastructure is on on infection control. But you know, if you look at it, every year we face influenza. You know, maybe that's not a, on a the death toll that. COVID has, but it's still a, a a health and wellness aspect of of the 
the environment that we can start to control. So anything we engage from a long-term infrastructure solution has to be super, super flexible for going forward. And, and at Henderson Engineers, we put a lot of research and effort on finding reliable, flexible solutions that, that matter. And it starts with a risk assessment, but I think a, a really strong key component of that that works really well is actually ultraviolet light. Uh, and finding the right the right spectrum, the right application, and and the reason we really like ultraviolet light, and why I'm pretty excited about it for airports itself, is that it is a long term solution. It's something that has been shown to fight tuberculosis. It's been shown to fight um, measles, mumps, any viruses, in terms of helping to control that and create a, a really safe environment going forward. So it's one of those technologies that has a has, has had a lot of research on it and is flexible for the future. And then what I also really like about it is it's, it's adaptable. It's adaptable to a lot of different scenarios. Uh, we've seen it start to um, start to being applied to baggage. We've seen it applied to elevators. We've seen it applied to open spaces, to duct work. So, you know, these are the types of things to start to think about going forward is what do we need to do that makes it really flexible that we can turn on, turn off, and then also we'll handle future future impacts because we're you know we'll get through this immediate concern, but there's going to be something else in the future, and being prepared and having the right infrastructure set up for that is going to be important. And there are a lot of questions related to COVID protection in the future airports, with between social distancing and air spread, surface sanitation. Right now, what area of looking at those different ones should be a priority to protect at airports. History has shown like cleaning has been really emphasized lately. And I think that's the right thing to do. And so I think we've got a really good handle on surface protection. Uh, airports themselves were, were moving forward with, you know, touchless fixtures anyway, and very contactless processes to move them through. And so I think right now, the, the, the biggest issue, I think, is going to be the, air, the airborne spread. Uh, social distancing is is a great tool, and we have billions and billions of square footage of airport existing airport infrastructure right now that was built off of a, a certain square footage allocation for passengers. And as the passenger traffic start increasing, that square footage is gonna it's gonna make social distancing really difficult. And the amount of time. Uh, that it'll take to to update and to expand the, the square footage for social distancing is going to be really difficult. In the future, it's just going to be, we're going to be working on this for the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years or longer of trying to expand and, and what is the right solution to, to account for social distancing as a holistic approach. So we have to start looking at that in stages and, and the the surface contact is, is uh, moving in the right direction. Uh, like I said, social distancing is something that's going to be a long-term solution. So now let's look at the airborne aspect of it and how do we start to control the the airborne, the aerosol nature of COVID um, and even future viruses going forward and, and what does that look like? Now, you mentioned about uh, social distancing and space constraints. One of the biggest areas that has been of concern since the pandemic began was hold room and gate areas and the need to change what they were as we've known them. Uh, but there are a lot of space constraints in legacy terminals. So short of building a new terminal, what kind of steps can airports take now to implement new seating in different areas? So the the European model is something that's, that's really interesting. The the call the gate model, I think, um, starts to 
starts to play out and be very uh, a very unique solution. So being able to allow passengers to to spread out to go to under underutilized areas, I think that um, that helps us to um, to kind of separate some of the risk profiles um, that we see and, and allow them to separate and allow them to control some of the air that they're breathing in different areas and then allowing the tools to bring them back to um, back to the gate. I can also see, uh, you know, McCarran uh, on Vegas has an interesting uh, interesting setup because they have these gaming lounges. And I think setting up a similar idea of these, these different lounge, smaller lounge areas allows for, you know, what I call like air separation, air air zones where you're controlling the number of people that are there and you're able to control that airflow um, from your HVAC system. You, you can clean that airflow through HEPA filters, through UV light, through more outside air uh, and a smaller case instead of these grand open infrastructure uh, pieces where you just have these, these massive amounts of air that's circulating uh, and eventually get, makes their way back to the air handling system, the, the HVAC system. But when you start to separate it, you can control it a little bit better. So I could see, you know, these you know, a little bit more like call the gate, um, separation, smaller lounge spaces. Uh, I think there's an interesting case there for a, a revenue model for different, you know, different size of lounge and, and how that could be incorporated for, for what you're looking for and what you're doing um, within that self, within that space. And then, you know, giving it a chance to, to separate people a little bit more um, without actually adding square footage. And technology has been impacting airports, especially in the last 10 years and really revolutionized a lot of the ways that uh, we move around. Are there any areas of technology that need to be sped up or that need to be abandoned from the pre-COVID era that we've been already looking at for airports? You know, technology is, is like the, the, the unknown silver bullet out there, I think. And, uh, at Henderson Engineers, we look at it pretty pretty heavily across all vertical markets. We work in in, in a lot of different vertical markets: retail, restaurant, um, office spaces, lounges, and and airports are really interesting because they they have all those spaces. They're all in one great big area, and I think the the next step in in retail, restaurant. Uh, is going to be how do we how do we make that experience better through technology and and moving in that direction so i think the things that are really compelling are going to be um, technology that we've seen from from amazon um, in terms of a just walk technology that is looking to start to get incorporated um, i think the, the the notification of your flight and, and being able to call the gate to some extent i think is really really interesting um, I think if you expand beyond that, I think it's going to be try to how do you how do you start to incorporate technology in your pre uh, pre arrival to the airport in terms of where you're going, what access you are, um, what's going to happen um, when you get there, what sort of uh, you know the biometric aspects of it. I think it's really coming along uh, nicely, but it's just the response to give your own yourself a a, a an experience that's personalized for you um, and that you can access through, um, you know, a digital device. And that leads me into my last question. And it may seem a little bit dramatic the way I ask it, but 
The question I do have is, do you see traditional concessions and retail inside an airport as just kind of a dead model? I mean, if we're going to push more technology and more usage of smartphones, should airports reconsider their concession operations? I mean, such as removing restaurant fronts in favor of centralized kitchens and food delivery? You know, that's, a, that's an interesting uh, an interesting question. And I think it, it depends on the, the passenger model, I think, a little bit for each airport and what and what those passengers are looking for, what sort of experience they're looking for. Um, if it's if it's a really uh, heavy, I want to say really heavy, more of a maybe it's a business traveler that's just it's running through the airport and needs to grab and go. And I think they're going to be more expedient on, on service and getting it to where they're going um, and having a dedicated spaces. I think if we can create more experiential type. Um, systems or, or things at the airport um, that a sit down could be interesting. Uh, I think there's different different ways to set up an individual experience a little bit more to allow um, allow restaurants to really flourish. But I, I think it, they're going to have to work together. So I don't think it's dead um, necessarily from the traditional aspect. I do think it's going to have to change. And I think the, the on-demand almost like Uber Eats for airports is, is really going to come along more so because of how we're we're trying to create a little bit more separation and a little bit more detailed experiences for individualized experiences for for passengers and allow them to you know kind of cater that to what they need and I, and I think a sit down restaurant is still within that kind of realm um, of possibilities but it depends on, on on what they're looking for and on what that kind of passenger makeup looks like if it's if it's business travelers uh, or if it's going to be more of a a leisure traveler that you know wants a different experience and is is willing to be there earlier and wanting to sit down and, and, and have a different experience. So I, I think it's it's still going to be there. Um, we're just going to have to look at it a little bit differently, and I think the the response mechanism is going to have to change a little bit also. Thanks again for listening to today's podcast. For the latest news on the pandemic's impact on the industry, make sure to subscribe to the Airport Business Daily Newsletter. Also, don't forget to check out the latest issue of Airport Business to learn more about the best practices from the leading minds in the industry. I'm Joe Petrie. Please stay safe out there.